Well, if you came here for 98th episode, I'm sorry to disappoint you because this is 99th episode. Yeah, I'd like this feels like a little uh, a little hot for us to start off with. This is usually the uh, yeah, we need to talk about something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this is usually the end of episode stuff where they all right, we've entertained you. Now let's uh, uh-huh, let's let's be cool for ourselves. <laughs> this looks like a great hole to step in. I uh, finished Game of Thrones, Paul. That's a thing. <laughs> yes. All right. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that quick of a transition from serious topic to. Um, the show that the last time we talked about, our biggest comment was how many uh, flaccid members there were in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, that's not really what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> uh, about all right, it, if you want to get honest. off of our, our Game of Thrones theme, then go ahead. So you finished Game of Thrones. I um, did. I did. For everybody listening... You are Paul. You you are Sean, I believe. Yeah, we're come on. We're we're doing the we're doing the Jim Shooter. Every every <laughs> issue is somebody's first issue. We have to let them know who we are and what our superpowers are. I suppose I don't have a ton of respect for Jim. I mean, I have a, res- a lot of respect for a lot of what Jim Shooter did, but I also think that he's wrong about a lot of things. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like. <laughs> if, if you if you let me be dictator of comics everything will be great is basically his, his whole i got so one of the most interesting things about jim shooter since we're getting on him is um he showed what that kind of a uh, control over a vision can do which is pretty cool but he also showed it's not sustainable because you need other people to make stuff happen and if you don't work together those people stop wanting to work for you or with you. Yeah. Um, but it was like, uh, you know, my foray into the original Valiant stuff. It was interesting seeing the window of stuff that, like, he was just like, hey, I control everything. Your name is on this title is writing it, but you are going to write what I want you to, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after that, it's like it was looser. Some stuff was good. Some stuff was not good. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, everybody was happy when they just, you know, got the dictator gone, I guess. But Yeah. Yeah, interesting stuff. And he did he did amazing stuff with Marvel too, but then, you know, I guess he just has a track record of does amazing stuff but doesn't know how to work with people. Though I, I will say that meeting Jim Shooter and interviewing Jim Shooter was one of the biggest highlights of my podcasting career. That's pretty awesome, yeah. I mean he Yeah, that was amazing. I got to interview him for like half an hour at New York Comic Con in I think two thousand nine. And, oh, man, it was, you know, that was a time when the original Valiant was, to me, one of the greatest things in comics that had ever been done. And so just being able to meet him and talk to him about that was, it was very, very special for me. Yeah, and he's a legend in comics. I mean, it's not just like he's a guy who did cool things. Like, you know, he's he's a legit legend. Oh, yeah, man, yeah. That's pretty, you know, yeah. yeah. That's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, I was part of interviewing quite a few people that I, I hold in pretty high regard. I wouldn't say any of them are legends. Maybe someday they will be, but, you know. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was... Anyhow, back yeah, to uh, anyhow, Game of Thrones. That's... <laughs> and dictatorships right. and our names and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Comics dictatorships. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about other types of dictatorships um with no emphasis on the dick (laughs) in game of thrones (laughs) so you say we'll see what i bring into it all right so i'm gonna assume like we can talk about this with all the spoilers on if you are concerned about spoilers please jump ahead to 52 minutes and 55 seconds 
and that's the moment where I splice in the audio of where they <laughs> jump into. If you're worried about spoilers <laughs> in Game of Thrones, um, I, I think we're past the window of having to to uh, worry. I, about I that, agree, but. but you know, if if there are people out there that haven't watched it and don't want to know, and somehow don't know yet because they don't have the internet yet about things that happen, that's good. Do, do you remember when NBC had must see TV? That was like their uh, their you know catch line for their primetime shows. Yeah, and but wasn't it just like Urkel and Seinfeld basically, and maybe Friends or something? I don't even remember what I, was I on think must Friends see TV. was, and and Urkel was um, was not that, but um, whatever it was, nonetheless, they had that slogan. So whenever somebody talks about you know, well maybe somebody hasn't seen it with something like this, I think about there's a Family Guy joke. And uh, I don't remember the context of the joke, but then again, Family Guy usually doesn't have much context for their jokes. They just go to the jokes. And it's uh, it was like Charles Manson in jail going, um, if I haven't seen it, it's new to me. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, he can't right. see what's on TV, you know. Anyways, um, so that, yeah, that, that's why I think of literally every time something has been out forever and somebody's like, well, I haven't seen it yet. It's like, okay, well, it's your own fault. But anyways. I, I guess if, if Charles Manson is listening, <laughs> that little warning's for you. <laughs> is he even still alive? I didn't. He, I think he died a while back. Hopefully, I, I can't remember now. <laughs> All right. I think I it depends if if we're living in the um, uh, Berenstein Bears universe or the Berenstein Bears universe. It might be one of those <laughs> things about whether he's alive or not. Oh, that's a whole other subject for us to talk about. <laughs> oh yeah, we don't we don't need to get into that and. and the the whole Shazam movie that should exist but doesn't somehow. Anyway, so Game of Thrones. <laughs> I've been trying to talk about this for like ten minutes now, <laughs> and you keep <laughs> detouring us, Paul. I, I find this delightful. I know. I know. This is what happens when I'm fully awake when we podcast. <laughs> so everybody has told me, no matter who I talk to about Game of Thrones, no matter what I say. Oh, yeah, I started watching Game of Thrones. Everybody says, oh, the ending's terrible. (laughs) That's like the one thing everybody agrees on. The ending's terrible. And I've heard that from everybody. And, yeah, it is. It's not good. (laughs) Um, But it's not terrible, terrible. It's just terrible in the context of what came before for the show. It just kind of becomes a average story with really high production rather than a, a amazing story with really high production is kind of what it seems like to me at the end. And when you're dropping to a C from an A, that's really terrible. If you're getting to a C from an F, then that would be really good. But when you're going this way, it does seem very, very terrible. That's kind of one of my takeaways on it. Yeah, pretty much. And I think what I told you when when you brought this up the first time wasn't that the ending was terrible, just that the don't expect the ending to I mean just what you just said, don't expect the ending to match the quality of what you've seen so far. Um I of course before I watched it too cuz I was behind the game on watching it, uh I had heard all that. So behind I, the game? I, ha. Ha. As <laughs> a pun. Uh <laughs> Now who's disrupting the flow of the podcast? Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm just pointing out humor. I'm adding to the enjoyment. 
anyhow, um, I I have had heard all that, but I, I'm very much the type that I don't like to be caught up in the hype with stuff. Uh, so a lot of times I won't I won't even watch stuff if it's in the midst of the hype still, you know, because people all got to either love it or hate it. People can't just enjoy it and you know shut up if they. Can, you know, everybody tries to find something to tear it apart for, or find something to say it's the greatest thing ever about with everything, and I'm I'm not into that. So, anyways, when I finally got around to watching it, it's like, okay, I'm watching it. I had access to the HBO stuff for a limited time, and I'm like, I'm going to make this worth my money by watching this. I pushed through it quickly, and once you got to that point where it wasn't based on the books anymore, like it definitely like the story got predictable. I don't know about you, but I saw the end coming a mile away. They kind of really painted themselves into a corner with it, where that was all they could do without it just being nonsensical. I That wasn't the case with the series before that. Like, they really kept you on your toes. You didn't know what was going to happen. When something crazy happened, you didn't see it coming. And that's what kind of was the draw of the show. You never knew it was going to happen. You were always going to be surprised. But at the same time, I feel like the show, all the, the crazy stuff that happened seemed inevitable after the fact. Like, it seemed like, well, of course that's what would have happened. You know, it it was always, like, crazy and unexpected because it went against our expectations of what TV shows are like. Like, in a typical TV show, Ned Stark would be the hero. He would take the black and reunite with Jon Snow, and they would become the heroes of the North, and then they would come down and fight against the evil Lannisters and save the day. Right? That's like what a typical story would be. But in this story, it's true to the characters that, well, Joffrey would be like, no, I want to behead this guy. <laughs> and so he would. And I, I think that to me, it seemed like it was shocking events that were shocking because they're not the type of thing that we expect to see happen to characters in TV. But they also were believable because it seemed like it it wasn't a total heel turn for this character to do this. I disagree with you. I get what you're saying, but um so I think like the point you're making is something like Ned Stark dying. That was of course that was gonna happen. There was no it, it goes this way or that way, it's just he's causing problems. That's what you do with problems in that type of society is you kill them. So, I mean, that that was inevitable. Like, everything about that looked inevitable. And people being surprised to it, I think, as to what you're saying is the, no, the good guy ends up finding a way out of it. And that's not this show. And well, yeah, exactly. But I think that we didn't quite know that that's what this show was at that point. At that point, or, yeah. A, a, a lot of people didn't know. So, and other, so, yeah. I think a lot of the other big points are points that could go one way or the other. Uh, the Red Wedding thing. It's either they're joining forces to fight against this other force or what happened. You know, basically the, the I, I don't remember the name of the family or whatever, but uh, they are either on the side of the, you know, the people in power or they're on the side of the people trying to usurp the people in power. So it yeah. has to go one of the two ways. So after the fact, you look back and be like, well, no, yeah, of course that was going to happen. No, if it happened the other way, you look back and say the same thing, because it's, it's got to go one way or the other. Now, in the tone of the show, by that point, like, that's really the point where you realize, okay, if there's two choices, it's probably going to be whichever one is the worst, you know? Um, and then that's kind of the, the joke of what the show was forever after that, is just, like, it's all misery. 
but at the same time, I feel like when you look back at the Red Wedding, it is it was set up very much by the fact that Rob betrayed what he committed to. So when you can look at it from the perspective of that is a slight against the phrase that they will never forgive, then it absolutely makes sense. It's just that we didn't know whether or not that that was going to be an unforgivable sin or whether they would be like, eh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay that you like betrayed us and didn't live up to your word. No problem. Yeah. But even then it was still a decision on the phrase part of, you know, do we think that the people in power now are a problem where overlooking that slight is the right choice? Or do we are we good with the people in power and we're going to use that as a double reason to and that, you know, to act on getting revenge for this life? Sure. I guess what I'm saying, though, is it wasn't when you look back at it, it all makes sense. Like all the pieces are there to say, oh, I can see why they made this decision. Oh, yeah, it make definitely makes sense. Like, I'm not arguing against that. I'm just saying I, I don't think it's obvious. Like, I don't think you go into be like, well, no, that's what had to happen. It makes sense that it happened, but there's a couple of things that could have made sense. Yeah, I think that's what I'm getting at. It's like all the really shocking things, they made sense once they happened. Like, oh, I totally see why that happened and how things have been going towards that for many, many episodes. Yeah, exactly. The pieces fit together. It makes sense. And that's why why it was good. The last couple of seasons, it goes from that to I can see five five moves on this chess game away that this is what's going to happen because they're making it to where that's the only way it can go. And that's when the the quality of the show changed. And it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad show at that point, but it wasn't up to the quality of, I can't see what's coming next. But then after what comes passes, you go and like, well, yeah, I mean, look, that makes sense. You know, another example of how like you really can't see what's coming. And I think this was a good example of, one of the like the strength of the show was the so after Joffrey dies, the bad bad guy. What's what's his name? The guy ends up killing his dad, feeds everybody to the dogs. I can't remember names. Oh, Ramsey Bolton. Yeah, so he's awful, right? Like you hate him so much the whole series. Like he yeah. does de- definitely makes Joffrey look like just a little chicken shit. You get to the point where they're they're finally going at him, and like it's the the big battle. You can't tell me that you didn't throughout that you want him to lose so bad and you start going like, no, wait, like he, he's going to win. He's going to defeat them. He's going to defeat them. Like what happens now? They're, he's got them. You know, they like that was, I think, the best point of the series where you wanted the outcome to be one thing and you like got convinced so hard it was going to be the, the opposite way and you hated it so much and like in the moment wanted to fight against it, you know, like. That I think was probably the best point of the series. Like, that point was the strongest, like, not just a shock, not just I'm sad because somebody I like died in this horrible way, most likely, but this, like, passion, like, no, no, this can't happen, you know? And then it's not that long after that that it gets out of the book material, and it's like, okay, I can see that, uh, you know, uh, uh, John is going to end up killing Danny, because that's like the only thing that they're allowing it to build to at this point, you know? Yeah. They, they build mm-hmm. her up as too powerfully wrong, and like he's the only one that's going to have that. I mean, it just, it got totally obvious what was going to happen. It still wasn't a bad, 
last couple of seasons. It wasn't a bad end of the story, but it wasn't the the payoff that you expected. That's why people were disappointed. But you know, to the point we were making, there's a big difference between this is horrible and okay, this just wasn't what I wanted. And people are too quick to either be it's great or horrible, and there's nothing in between. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's just that the the market drop in quality was noticeable for on the, the writing level production mm-hmm. wise it was still awesome right i mean the the last season was pretty amazing in terms of just like visually and production wise what yeah. they did i didn't see a lot of what people complained about i mean there were the things that i didn't see just because i didn't catch them but you know like the there's a starbucks cup in this scene people were looking for everything they could to rip that show apart and it shows w- one of the I'm going to kind of uh, do a, a little uh, tangent for a minute. One of the articles that I read, have you ever read Film Crit Hulk? No. Okay. He's just a, a guy who writes a lot about like movies and TVs. Uh, he seems to work in the industry as like a um, script writer or script helper or something like that. But he, he <clears throat> writes a lot about... Um, the craft of making movies and television and writing scripts and crafting stories and what makes stories good versus stories bad and, and that sort of thing. And he wrote this article about tangible details. Basically the thrust of it is that tangible details are the things that you point at to say, Oh, here's why I didn't like it. But you only point at those things when you don't like it for a deeper reason. If everybody loved the last episodes, nobody would be pointing out, oh, there's a Starbucks cup on the table. They're just losing it and don't even care about the show, right? They would all be saying, "Ah, it's funny, mistakes happen, whatever. Um, They should have caught that. But when somebody, like when a person doesn't like something, they'll look at for these small details to explain why it's bad because there's just this larger sense of I don't like this and I'm not quite sure why. And so that the tangible details become the things that people complain about because the intangible details are a lot more elusive and hard to find. And so usually when people are picking out those those tangible details and and it works both ways. You know, people will talk about like Endgame and like oh when Captain America picked up the hammer that was amazing. It's like yeah that's that's a really cool thing that happened, but it happened in the context of a, a like a larger more exciting scene that we're invested in. And if we weren't invested overall in that scene, that detail wouldn't have worked as well. But that becomes a, a thing that people can lock onto and say, well this was awesome. When really what was awesome was this l- larger emotional experience that was crafted in yeah. it. Yeah. And on the positive side, it's hard to take the time to explain the bigger meaning of things. You know, to re- like sports is a good thing to relate that to because sports you could like really narrow down to this one little moment. Um, and one that we've actually talked about before that was a really big one. So Kirk Gibson comes in game one of the 1988 World Series, uh, can hardly walk, hits a home run to win the game basically and um if he didn't hit the home run yeah i mean there's a lot of pieces to that i'm already explaining more pieces you mm-hmm. narrow that down to kirk gibson hit a home run there's not a ton of meaning to that so when you're like oh man it's great when kirk gibson hit that home run well yeah i mean home runs are always great 
it's all those other details, the 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 tension that built up to there. You know, there's no way the Dodgers are supposed to beat this team. Kirk Gibson, if he doesn't hit a home run, he's going to be out because he can't run. Like mm-hmm. literally, he can hardly walk. All these pieces build up to make that moment just a legendary moment. That's yeah. what we do when things are good. That you know, Captain America picking up the hammer was huge because we watched like 20 movies before that that were building up to this, you know, that all those little pieces added in. You know, even watching like freaking uh, Doctor Strange or Ant-Man and Wasp and, you know, like all these other movies that have nothing to do with Captain America particularly still built, like added more and more into the, the, the you know, what you were dedicating to it. And, you know, on the negative side of it, it's... I think it's more important when you're on the negative side to be able to like talk about what actual the actually the problem is. And if you're picking out the here's the you know the, these little things I don't like, like that should be our indicator as an individual to just not say it. You know, it's you're not contributing anything, you're complaining and and that's your indicator when you're finding little things to say and you know you don't like something but you can't say why and so you're finding these little things. That's what just kind of takes the enjoyment out of everybody, you know. I think that that's one thing that I've tried to notice when, when I talk about stuff is if I, that's essentially nitpicking, mm-hmm. right? And I think this is one of the reasons that nitpicking always bothers me is because if this thing was a good thing, the thing that is being nitpicked about probably wouldn't really be brought up. People wouldn't really care about it if, if, if they liked the thing. Yeah. But just back to sports, you throw an interception in a game it only matters if you end up losing. You know, if you win, you forget it. If you lose mm-hmm. one little mm-hmm. mistake, well, this quarterback failed. They're a bad quarterback now because they did this. And, well, no, it was lots and lots of little pieces added up to what happened. You know, it's different if a quarterback throws like five interceptions. In the but, first quarter, the drive they didn't make to get that first down that would have maybe, you know, yeah. got the, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you find this minutia and then you use it. It's like you're frustrated. So you use it to try to destroy the person you want to blame for it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're displeased with the last two seasons of Game of Thrones. So you want to destroy everything about it. And it's, it's their fault that this didn't live up to my expectations. Instead of just going like, eh. It, you know, okay, it didn't live up to my expectations. That's disappointing, but move on. I can understand, though, right? Because Game of Thrones, I think, was very much a phenomenon, right? It was a hugely impactful on popular culture. It became so popular when it showed up. I remember at work, I would get to work on Monday morning and there was a group of people that everyone was talking about Game of Thrones. They were all talking about, oh, did you see the episode? Yeah, I saw the episode. Wow, I can't <laughs> believe a lot. You know, people would really, were really excited and invested in the show because of how good it was and how enjoyable it was. And so when it took a, a nosedive in the storytelling towards the end, I can see why people would be very, very disappointed because it, it's it's hard to see something and and trust me, I I know this from my star Wars life, something you've been invested in so much, just take a nosedive at the, at the end of the story. Yeah. I I got, it's yeah. I I got two points to make. So one, uh, as far as like choosing not to make the negative comments, like being disappointed and dealing with that is called maturity. You know, it's like, that's what you do to grow as a person. And, 
social media kind of sets us up to be whiny little bitches for too long in our lives. Like, if you're 40 years old and you're being a whiny little bitch about a TV show to somebody face-to-face, they're going to say, you're being a whiny little bitch, shut up, you know? We can go online and then everybody's like, yeah! Different accountability. So, like, being, being a mature person contributing positively means making that choice. And my point with that is, if you're driving and you complain about everything you see that's not right, you become a horrible person to drive with. You're you're just a you know an angry driver. You become a worse driver, and you grow and grow that negativity because you're feeding into it. If you choose not to be bothered by the little things, somebody forgot to signal. Somebody is going a little too slow, and like you don't comment on every little thing that's wrong. You don't have a bad experience because you're not finding everything you can to be unhappy about. Like, that's a concrete thing. And, like, I could see that in myself in life. Like, if I get to where I'm I'm complaining about everything around me when driving, I, that's what I am when I'm driving. I make myself worse. I make my experience worse. And it's completely my choice. It's a difference if somebody, you know, hits your car or something like that. Sure, yeah. That's concrete. That's something that's real. That's knowing what's wrong. You know, that's, you know, then a Game of Thrones, the aliens come and take them away. You know, like, that's like, yeah. no, 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 that was not good, you know? That's very different. But choosing to nitpick every little thing and being as negative as possible, like, you're choosing to be that person. So when you're doing that, you're not just complaining about something that's wrong. You're choosing to be a negative person. And that's a choice. And you're you're better if you don't do that. And you make everything better for everybody else if you don't do that. Second point I want to make. We've talked about this some with spoilers, the same type of person that's going to be like F Game of Thrones because there was a Starbucks cup or like finding every little thing in it to be negative about is the first person that's going to be like, oh, man, Luke showed up in Mandalorian as soon as they see it because <laughs> okay, they want to yeah. be the one to say something. And it's more important for them to say something and have everybody react to what they said than to just be enjoying what they're doing or to be disappointed and let it go. You know, so that's why I didn't see any Mandalorian spoilers. That's why I didn't see I haven't seen any WandaVision spoilers. I haven't even started watching that show yet. I want to start watching that this week while I'm on vacation. Oh, cool. That's the next thing I want to talk about. (laughs) And the reason I haven't seen that and everything links up and this is like people need to think about this. Like they ignore something and don't realize how ignoring it actually affects them in other ways they don't realize by blocking all the people that go on there and bitch about little things. I'm not getting spoilers about good things because those are the people that spoil things. It's not just their negativity. They spoil the positive things too because it's got to be about what they're thinking and feeling. And it's not about like the overall community or wanting to share or wanting to talk about it. Because if you care about other people's experiences, you can do things in a way to still like have those interactions without degrading somebody else's experience, whether it's positive or negative. You and I can talk about things we don't like about a show, a book, anything, and actually gain something positive out of it because we're not trying to bash on the book. We're trying to share what we disliked and understand it better. We can talk about something we liked. And like, if, um, I mean, you're typically going to be ahead of me on anything TV wise. Like, uh, I just like, I, that's never my first priority with things, so I always get to it later, and that's, you know, will be how it'll be. I never have to worry about you spoiling something for me, because you know how to share your excitement about something without destroying it for everybody else, you know? Like, you can tell me you're excited about when you start watching WandaVision or whatever without telling me 
what it is that you're excited about because you're being conscientious of it. You're not just like, blah, this is what I love, you know? Well, I try. Yeah, you're pretty good at it. So, you know, there you go. Okay, thank you. Well, anyway, let's talk. I want to get back to Game of Thrones and some of the, like, just actual, like, cool things about it that I liked. One thing I was thinking about is, like, it's it's a pretty terrible show. Yeah. Right? Like, I've saw, seen pretty much some of the worst things I've ever seen on TV or movies in this show. Yeah, I... <laughs> I, I've shared this with you before, but I think it was something at the end of season four, which now you've seen it also, when the guy yeah, crushes the other guy's head, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I stopped watching because of that. And I didn't watch it again for years because of that. Because that crossed a line of like, this is too horrible to to make excuses for. Now, that was probably the worst thing that there wasn't some kind of validation of. But it also, like, that's pretty much, like, I've drawn the line now. Like, I'm not going to go into another show like that again. Like, I'm not going to watch another show that is just swimming in misery. doesn't matter if it's good. I'm not doing it again. So the Game of Thrones is the last one I'm going to watch this, that level of misery. And it, it made me wonder, like, man, like, why why are we even doing this? Like, mm-hmm. this, this shouldn't be something that is compelling. And it's it made me wonder, like, because I've been thinking... Why, why do we like this, right? I mean, we're, we're, it's basically a show where brutal, terrible things happen to people. And we're seeing brutal, terrible things happen to people regularly. And I, I think that what I'm wondering is, do, is there something about, like, the extremism of it that is compelling? Where it's kind of like, you know, by giving into this fantasy and paying attention to this this fantasy we get to experience these extreme things but in a safe way and i wonder if that has something to do with it yeah you know, it's it, you know it's kind of like uh war movies how war movies allow people to experience war but in a a safer way than actually being at war my cousin actually gave me perspective to, on this because I have a lot of respect for my cousin, but he likes certain things that I don't like. He's a big fan of horror. I'm not a fan of horror. You know, I don't like gore. I don't like, you know, those excessive things. And um, I think it was when I, I want to say it was when we were talking about the book, The Boys. It may have been something else, but something similar that was like pretty graphically horrible. And I tried it. I was like, no, I hate this. I think it's awful. And he liked it. And what he shared, he's he was a dispatcher for years and years. He deals with real-life horrible stuff so much that something like that is, like, cathartic for him. It, like, mm. gives a, a release to this. So, like, that's one aspect that, like, I can't understand that myself from my experience because I don't have to deal with those things. So this other thing isn't cathartic. The other reason I think people like this type of thing is we want to see the bad person get their comeuppance. And so, like, you watch all these horrible things, but eventually Joffrey dies. Eventually, what's the other guy's name? The Flayer guy? Ramsey. Ramsey. Eventually, Ramsey gets his, you know, like. Yeah, and it's very satisfying when they do. Yeah, and it's amazing what we put ourselves through to get to that moment. And when you get that moment, it is so rewarding. Like, it feels mm-hmm. so good. And that's that's why I watched Sons of Anarchy. Like that was the the thing that had me in with Sons of Anarchy. As early on, it was, um, you know, these little uh, you know street gang thugs that think they're all bad going up against some like real badasses was cathartic. 
um, it was rewarding to see somebody and be like, oh, yeah, it feels good to see like them get their ass kicked. Um, Sopranos was like that too. Like once again, like little, you know, like small time thugs go up against like the mob, you know, <laughs> they, they don't stand a chance, but you're still watching bad people be bad, you know? Hmm. And Game of Thrones was kind of like Sons of Anarchy, where at the end so much bad happened. I just thought, like, I want everybody to die. And basically that's what happened. A couple of people had redemption and got out of it alive. That sounds very familiar yeah. to Game of Thrones. Right? And that's So, like, the last two seasons of Game of Thrones, they didn't live up to the, the storytelling prowess of the first six seasons. But they basically gave all the, the things that somebody watching the show would want. But just too gratuitously, not in the way that we usually would talk about Game of Thrones, like gratuitous, like some somebody getting their head crushed. But gratuitous as far as like, um, you know, giving your kid candy because they like it, you know? You give your kid too much candy, they're happy with it until they finally throw up, <laughs> you know? And that, that was kind of what the last two seasons was. It was too obvious, but you got everybody getting their comeuppance. And they, you know, they built it in some interesting ways, uh, like... The the Lannister mom, Cersei, right? Yeah. I remember the name. I'm proud of myself. She actually, like, they made her sympathetic at some point because she was being so mistreated by these bad people. And she got her revenge and took them all down. And then see, I, I didn't, I didn't see it that way. <laughs> I never felt sympathy towards Cersei. Uh, she was pretty abused by. I mean, even though she yeah. was bad, it's like you either revel in like her being abused because she's bad, and like I didn't like, like I don't care if you're bad. I don't want to see you abused. I just want to see you dead. <laughs> you know? But yeah, but I, I, it's, I felt like she brought it on. Oh, she did. She was playing games and she lost the game. She was yeah, trying exactly. to manipulate things, and so I mean, she she brought it on herself. But those people were bad, and they deserved to go down. And then Cersei still deserved to go down, and she did too, you know? Yeah, but I, I didn't feel bad because it's like, oh, it's it's that whole thing like, oh my, if it isn't the consequences of my actions. <laughs> you know, it was her basically, you know, she brought all that on herself. So I didn't feel bad in any way because it's basically her getting a little taste of the suffering that she initiated that she brought on others so yeah. it, it, like she i never coming, felt but any... with with my empathy it's like i still like even when somebody deserves it i don't want to see bad things like that you know it's like i don't want to see sure. somebody tortured because they've tortured people like in, a, in the sense of the show it's like i don't want to see some i don't want to see more mistreatment i want to see the people mistreating just die you know um which i guess kind of still sounds bad but uh you know there's a big difference that i want to see more suffering rather than i just want to see them get what they have coming to them and i guess i mean she kind of got what she had coming to her because she played this game and she lost this game and yeah then she i guess you have more active revenge but um i'm not saying i don't think that she deserved what she got but it was still satisfying when she got revenge on them and killed all these other bad people and then she still got killed. Like, if she got out of the show alive, it would have felt kind of crappy. Yeah, it would. But it, it was also, well, I don't want to rail on, like, the the end of it. Of we, I think we've talked enough about, like, the ending and its shortcomings. What were some of your favorite deaths in the show? I'll, I'll start with one. Uh, when, uh, oh God, I'm so bad with names. Well, I just want to point out, like, the fact that you can lead off a conversation with what were your favorite deaths in the show, like really points out a lot about what, what the show is and yeah. what, what makes this show in a lot of ways. It was 
this show about like okay each season is a spin of the roulette wheel <laughs> and each episode is a, is a, a spin of the roulette wheel and like is any certain character's number going to come up yeah or not and there's you know? the characters you don't want to see die but there are the ones that it's the catharsis it's the they they got what was coming to them that those are the ones we want to see die um mm-hmm. the small lannister man what's his name i'm so so bad with names and i'm feeling embarrassed right now no no the um oh the, the small lan oh lannister yeah. joffrey no no the midget oh Tyrion. Tyrion, thank you i will always be awful with names deal with it Tyrion killing his dad what that was a really satisfying one because his dad was just so awful to him and hated him so much and it he, he killed him with a crossbow on the toilet like that was good job <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was uh, pretty good. I think the most satisfying was Joffrey's death. Joffrey's was satisfying and kind of not in a way. I feel like it was satisfying because his was, I think, the first of the, yeah, this guy deserved it deaths Yeah, that we saw. And he's a character who we all they made us hate him so much in the show because of how much of just a psychopath he was and how much he actually enjoyed the cruelty and openly enjoyed the cruelty. And he, so he really just like when he got it, it was, it was the first of those, man, this, I want this character gone so much because of how terrible he is and how much terrible pain he inflicts on other characters that we like. Yeah, it's like a a kid pulling wings off a fly, you know? Yeah. The juxtaposition between him and Ramsay was, I I think that's the most interesting thing in the show. You hated them both. Ramsay was dangerous. Joffrey was not dangerous in the same way like joffrey yeah. was petty he was dangerous because he was so cruel but the difference between the danger he caused where i mean look he went down easily it took one person it wasn't even somebody you really suspected but you knew it had to be somebody and and there just there are so many people that wanted to and and like it was easy to take him down because he wasn't he wasn't calculatingly cruel he wasn't he didn't have a goal to it other than to be cruel yeah he wasn't like a planner he was just in the moment what's a cruel thing that yeah. i could do right now? ramsey was scary the whole time and that's why that's why you had a, a higher height of emotion in the battle between him and and john and all the other forces that were going against him because you knew how dangerous he was and if he won he won like it's game over who else is going to be able to go up against him this is the biggest possibility to stop him and the cruelty that joffrey had paled in comparison to the cruelty that that ramsey had i mean even just the um yeah like what he does to uh theon Greyjoy, and yeah how he totally what he does to yeah i mean that it. that was dist- that that was another like that was one of the other things that that almost had me quit the show it was just but i was like he's gonna he's gonna get his revenge he's gonna get it and you know Mm -hmm. he never did just got worse and worse and somebody else finally got their revenge um the 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 girl though the girl that she she was gonna get married to joffrey and then he like dismissed her i'm really sansa sansa thank you 
the difference between how they each treated Sansa. They were they were both very cruel to her. But man, Ramsay just wanted to cripple her in every way possible. If she if she hadn't gained strength by that point because of what she had been through with Joffrey and trying to survive, she would have been crippled by Ramsay just like Theon was. That brings up uh, another really good question. I, I guess we can we didn't finish maybe talking about the most memorable deaths. <laughs> I think Joffrey's was, I think, the most satisfying for me. The most memorable was Oberon's when he gets his head crushed by the mountain. That was just that's probably the most memorable scene to me just for how like it's just traumatic and awful. (laughs) And so I think like that is just forever seared into my mind as some terrible thing that I can never unsee. Yeah. That's my least favorite death for the reasons you just said, (laughs) but it's, it, yeah, it's, it's both in a weird way. It's, it's my least favorite, but also most memorable. Yeah. Which I mean, both those things can be true at the same time. That's yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why, like I watched that episode. I had to watch another episode just to where that wasn't the last thing I saw. And I, like, I finished that episode at like two in the morning and stayed up for another hour to watch the next episode just to oh, geez, end yeah. on a different note. You brought up Sansa, and I think that her story is probably one of the best. I think that by the end, like, what she goes through is is one of my favorite things. Like, she really goes from just being essentially a, a stupid little girl, right? Who's like, I want to be a princess. I yeah. want to marry Joffrey. And to being the queen in the north and actually really understanding things. And she really shows her worth and learns and grows from the things that happen to her in a way that I think very few other characters in the show actually do. Yeah. I think hers you know, was the, the, the realist growth in the show. Like, you know, other, like um, the, the little sister, what's her name? Arya. Arya, thank you. So I'm real bad with this. Um, You're so bad at this. <laughs> I, I'm I'm awful with names. Uh, I always will be. It's not going to change. I've tried. I need notes ahead of time if I'm going to get names. Arya's story is super interesting. It's it's also like very not realistic, you know, which it's not meant to be. It's fun, but it's like her growth is is nothing compared to Sansa's because like Sansa's growth is like real. Like that's that's what real i mean not those circumstances but that's what real growth is like for people you know you start out being selfish you start having you know seeing real consequences to things and you start to ha- you know f- have to figure out how to work through them and that's those are hard things to do and like for her to you know mature and grow and and be a bigger person as she's gone through those things that's what people really go through so it's like that you know and you see her growing you're like okay she's growing she's going to avoid these abuses, and then next thing you know, she's in an even worse situation of abuse. You know, it was, it was something. Yeah, I think that what is great about her growth as a character is that she's willing to give up who she was and the things that she held on to as who she was to, to grow and become, quote-unquote, better and different. And I can compare that with Tyrion, the dwarf. He he seemed to not grow. In the last seasons, he seemed to hold on to this idea of who he was, even when he was not successfully being that anymore. 
and he, he seems like he he stopped learning and growing and, and you know as Danny's advisor he seemed to just kind of stick with what he knew before and was unwilling to kind of grow and adapt to the situation yeah um, ver- versus Sansa who just absolutely did so I, I think by the end Sansa was my favorite character in yeah. the show yeah, definitely. I mean, at the beginning of the show, she was a character that you just didn't think much about because she was just annoying but wasn't a threat. Yeah, she was always, and every time she was on screen, it's like, oh my goodness, come on, just like shut up and get a grip, little girl, is is what it seemed like. So seeing her grow in all that way was, was very satisfying. That's probably one of my more favorite things about the show by the end of season eight. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all the characters that you were so excited about through the majority of the show, um, you know, Danny became like the bad guy. Yeah. Jon Snow, like, I would assume that pretty much everybody, he was like the number one person you rooted for from the beginning of the show. Cause mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's, he's stoic and quiet. He's trying to, to do good. He's trying to do things the right way, even though he's being mistreated by people. And he, he doesn't, let that make he doesn't let that make him be worse. He's always fighting to to be better and to help people that need help. And like all through the show, he's that. He was like, as far as character growth goes, he was fairly inconsequential at the end. You know, he he enacted yeah. like the last thing that was um, needed, killing Danny when she became the tyrant. But like that's why I didn't like the ending. Is they made it where that's the only thing that could have happened and. It cast off what should have been growth for him. It would have been better if at the end of the show, somebody else killed Danny to where he's not in this position where it's like he's either going to be killed for what he did, uh, you know, executed or banished like he was. If he had the choice to, okay, we've been through all this now. Now I'm going to go back and, and put myself in this position that most people would turn away from. That would have been much more meaningful. His story seems like it's it's about an inability to grow and change, you know, because like all this got brought on by this his whole like, oh, I have to be honest about who I am. I can't keep my mouth shut because it's the right thing to do. He, you know, he he ended up getting caught up in his oh, I have to do the right thing, even when it was actually the wrong thing, given the larger context of things and. Um, what season did he? Uh, what, what season did that happen in? Was that uh, in the books still or past the books? It was past the books. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, I think in the books there's <laughs> there's hints of of who he is, but I think it, the reveal in the show came way past the books. Yeah. And it's like he found, finds out basically this earth shattering thing about who he actually is and who his parents actually are, and it's like, dude, just just keep your mouth shut. Don't tell anyone, and what you actually want will work out, right? He keeps saying, oh, I don't want it. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I'm going to blather to everyone about who I am to create the situation where everyone else in the world wants it. I was really surprised by the dialogue where he said, uh, you know, I got to tell everybody who I am so I can create a, a, a dynamic conflict going forward for the series. I mean, like, I thought that was really blunt to them to actually say that in the dialogue. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think in the end, like, I was very frustrated by his character. Yeah, they, they wasted... So, like, if we're looking at the first six seasons compared to the last two, they wasted Jon Snow at the end. Uh, they made yep. Danny be very one-dimensional. Yep. Um, Sansa actually 
finished well. Like they they did yes. well with her. Most of the characters they just made one dimensional though. I think she's probably the only one that that had an interesting ending. Bran Arya's was okay. I feel like Arya's was okay, know. but at the end they still kind of just weirded her away. Mm-hmm. Bran they just made weird and inconsequential. Like everything Bran went through, everything he did by the end was just like. Okay, what was the point of all that story? Like, there was no... It didn't end with a point. Yeah, they didn't explain anything, right? And I think that that was one of the things that was really frustrating. Like, you know, they did this whole thing like, oh, the the Night King wants me. He wants to kill me. It's like, well, why? It's like, because I'm the Raven. It's like, okay, but so so what? Like, what about you being the Raven? It's like, I can see history. It's like, what would that's this still doesn't explain anything, right? It, it actually, it didn't explain anything. And then it didn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, so that was, uh, I think, one of the things that was frustrating about his story is like, he went through this, he probably went through the biggest change in terms of like what actually happened to him but then we never actually see any like what that change means or anything you know yeah I, the, that there was, was a lot of lost payoff it's like they yeah. they just gave up on the payoff and ended the story and and that's that's why people were disappointed with it and rightfully so it's still like it you know people say it was horrible it wasn't horrible it just was okay you know it was mediocre yeah, exactly, to okay right. um, if the entire show was that level of storytelling we'd probably be like yeah it was a pretty cool fantasy show and like it looked really cool and was really well done and and that's about it there's a lot of fantasy and sci-fi shows that people love that are like that level of mediocre the whole time you know but it's like when it stays there (laughs) exactly you find the good points you'd be like look how great this is because of these things i i try to watch some of those shows that people loved i'm like this is just meh, you know, it's like, and grant, like the reason it's just meh for me too, is because fantasy sci-fi, like those aren't my cups of tea. So it has to be exceptional for me to, to like it, you know, otherwise if it's mm-hmm. just, if it's just okay, it's not interesting enough for me. Cause I, I, I don't love those worlds, you know, but something yeah, really sure. good is good. You know, I, I love that, you know, but yeah. So some of the things that people love and rave about that I try, I'm like, no, this, this just isn't for me, you know? And Game of Thrones, I think, was that it was it was hitting that exceptional note where it drew everybody in, and then it paid off like a you know just a eh. yeah. But I I mean I was expecting it because everybody like I lead started out this conversation with everybody tells me oh the ending's terrible oh the ending's terrible, and so when I'm expecting the ending to be terrible, I went into it for enjoying the journey rather than the destination. Yeah. And so the ending, while I can see like, Oh yeah, that I can see why here's, here's why everybody thought the ending was terrible, but yeah, I, I was still, I still in, enjoyed it for just kind of like the spectacle of it and the, uh, the resolution of things for what it was and just kind of took it for what it was, which was actually really nice because I had these um, dampened expectations. So I was able to go into it not expecting it to be amazing, but expecting to be disappointed. And when I was expecting disappointment, I wasn't that disappointed yeah. because it, it didn't it didn't not meet my expectations. It actually, it kind of exceeded them because the ending, you know, while the storytelling wasn't as good, it was still just very interesting well done visually um like spectacular show to watch so 
there was still a lot to enjoy. So I still got a lot out of it. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you on that. And there was um, there's a couple that we're friends with. My my wife worked with her, and I became friends with a husband who's in the Coast Guard, and they just redeployed. So while they were still out here, she was doing the same thing was finishing watching the series, um, and that kind of prompted me to a little bit too because I had somebody to talk about it with, and we were both excited about it. And when it ended, we talked about it. Like her first response was that she really liked the ending. I, I don't know at all if she like heard all the negativity or stuff like that. But with me, where I knew the negativity, I enjoyed the last couple of seasons. But I also like the the problems I had with how it ended. I knew what they were. I wasn't looking for the Starbucks cup to to blame how bad the show was. You know. Yeah. I knew mm-hmm. what flaws there were, and I still enjoyed it. And so talking to her, where I was like, yeah, you know, it was it was a fine ending, but like I, you know, there were some problems with it. And she's like, oh, I thought it was great. And then I was able to say the things. And she's like, yeah, actually, I, I think the same things. You know, you don't have to not enjoy it just because there's flaws. And I think we were kind of both in that place. And it was interesting to me to see somebody that wasn't so conscious about there's flaws and I'm going to enjoy it anyways. Didn't even like note it. Like the things that weren't as good as they could have been didn't even stand out to her. It just it mm-hmm. was what it was completely, you know. So cool. <sighs> All right. Well, I I think that's enough on <laughs> Game of Thrones. That is enough on Game of Thrones. It was I'm, an enjoyable. I'm show. glad I watched it, but I'm glad I'm done with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much how I felt too. I would also be totally fine if I went back to before ever watching it. Never did. You know, either way. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it just so I I I understand it. You know, it's yeah. it's something that was is such a widely known thing within this kind of geek culture that we kind of prance around in. So, yeah, it adds to um your understanding of the the scope of things, like even if yeah, you know, the scope and the conversation, it's just it's nice to to know. I've and that's so why I'm happy that I've I've seen it. Yeah. So you were going to talk about Run the Jewels. I don't know. We're, we're, we're coming close to time. Yeah, I mean, this this shouldn't take very long. Um, so Run the Jewels is a hip-hop group. I have been listening to them. There's, there's several things about this that I think are interesting right now to me. Like, one, they have some notoriety. Like, there are people that I work with that listen to them that don't listen in, like, to the same, like types of music i usually listen to so like seeing them you know seeing people listen to them that wouldn't come across them like in the natural way is interesting like it kind of shows to me like the the breath that they have one of their songs from their last album was also like we've had serious xm radio since we got our new vehicle and on the uh like one of the in like indie rock stations uh alternative rock stations i guess would be a better way to say that they actually played one of the run the jewels songs I like it was almost a guilty pleasure hearing it because it's like I didn't put it on, but this you know this rap song with bad words in it is being played, and I don't have to feel bad about it right now, you know. Uh huh. But so what, what kind of brought them back into my conscious just recently? Uh, and I've been listening to them off and on regularly, so it's not like they've been like put away and I forgot about them or anything. In the impeachment trial that's going on, they were quoted. Yeah, I just googled them, and that was yeah like right there in top stories <laughs> i saw yeah. this because lp tweeted you know oh it finally happened just like i always thought it would i was quoted in an impeachment trial or whatever he's like uh wait a second i never thought that was gonna happen i saw that uh-huh. because other artists that i follow on twitter liked it so like that that's why i saw it because i don't actually follow lp so then i like 
looked at the, the news story, figured out what was going on, figured out what song it was, listened to the song. But like one, I like them because like I like their sound. Two, I like them because like they really have a lot of really strong messages in what they're doing without making it just about that to where like you can listen to their music and not even pick up on the message if you're not paying attention. But they're there and very obvious at the same time, you know? So that's like right up my alley. Um, and of course, like I agree with their message. Otherwise I probably wouldn't like them. Right. Um, okay. So run the jewels is LP and killer Mike. Now killer Mike, I didn't know from the past, but uh, he's probably why I like the group is the dynamic between them. LP. I specifically really disliked before because when I got into underground hip hop, I was into Anticon and soul and he had a beef with soul. They made diss songs about each other. So I was always anti LP. And it's really funny to me now that I'm like, I don't listen to Soul anymore because he's gotten too abstract to like, he's the differences between them. LP, the music he's making with Killer Mike right now, very politically strong in what he's saying, but it's like talking about the world we live in and the problems with it and being critical of it. Whereas Soul, and I haven't really listened to his recent music, but like knowing what I know of it is also very you know has a lot of things that he's saying and what he does but it's more like burn it all down everything Mm -hmm. is wrong you know and i'm like that doesn't resonate with me because that's just not where my mind is with with things you're not an angry nihilist anymore yeah pretty much (laughs) yeah um like i think soul has developed very much into that um what's the word for it i'm gonna lose the word but you know yeah that very kind of nihilistic point of view like you know we need to destroy everything about our society because everything is wrong whereas run the jewels and lp uh is the the one component that has that you know dichotomy for me is like all this stuff is wrong let's say let's let's say that this stuff is wrong and not just say that like everything has to be destroyed because of this stuff you know so it's just it's so interesting to me that like i was thinking last night because i was listening to it again and there's uh so the the song that that I was mentioning that is played on the radio. It's called Ooh La La. You should listen to it. And then there's a, so last night I found there's a remix of it uh, called uh, remix by the Mexican Institute of sound. And like, to me, this is a great example of a great remix where like the, the feel of the song is still completely there, but it's so different too. And I love it. Like it just like, I really love this remix. Um, so listen to the song, listen to the remix. I was actually going to try to have you listen to them last night, but you didn't text me back. So I was like, okay, you're busy or whatever. Other interesting thing about Run the Jewels, they did a remix of one of their albums with like a cat theme to everything. Okay, that's weird. Let me see. So Maybe I can get my wife to listen to it. <laughs> it's Run the Jewels. So all their albums are just Run the Jewels, Run the Jewels 2, Run the Jewels 3, and then RTJ4 is the fourth album. So like... And the like the album art is all very similar. Like when you look them up, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. The remix album is called Meow the Jewels, and oh, it's remixed geez. by okay. all these different people. But there's this like cat theme and everything. And that's uh, like I didn't even catch that first. One of the people I work with that I was mentioned listened to it, told me about it, and so I checked it out more. But man, they're just like they're super interesting to me, and they're somebody that like you know LP. I, you know, I've listened to him at least some since when I first started getting into underground hip hop. So that's a long time ago now. 
And seeing him, like, develop and doing something so different and not just, like, a lot of the artists I listen to have either faded away or they've gotten just, like, they didn't develop into something that had that this kind of strength to it. Um, or some of them just, like, the, the sound that they developed into just wasn't my cup of tea. But, um, like, I was thinking about last night, I was like, man, someday when concerts are going again, I think Run the Jewels would be, like, my first choice for who I'd want to go see out of, like, all these possible people I could see. And that was hmm. surprising to me since, uh, you know, it used to be that I really disliked LP just because of uh, the beef with Soul. Hmm. Well, good job getting over the beef. Yeah, you know, it's good to, good to grow, good to move on. I'll listen to this and see what I think. Because I find that rap and hip-hop is very hit and miss. For me like it, it's and i can't quite put my finger on why certain things i like and other things i don't like but that's just kind of how how it works out for me yeah i think with most things like you have to develop a taste for the things you're not used to so the things that you like probably resonate in some way with something else that you like and if you keep on listening to those things you'll start to grow you know like, like we talked about game of thrones like Watching Game of Thrones grows your language of this, you know, this geeky world that we live in, you know, the sci-fi and the fantasy and the, you know. So when you see references and other stuff, it makes more sense. When you see things that are taking elements from Game of Thrones and doing their own thing with them, like not story elements or characters or whatever, but just like that type of story, you have a basis you're growing off of now, so you're more likely to like it. Same thing with music. Rap and hip hop, the stuff that you're going to like now is stuff that's going to, there's something for you to grab onto and enjoy. But then by that, you get exposed to more because there's more elements to that song or album or artist or whatever than just the element that you're grabbing onto. You grow mm -hmm. a knowledge of that element and then you come across another song that you wouldn't have liked before that now you like because there's another part of it that you can grab onto and it can grow from there. I mean, it's the same thing with me with, with you know, rap and hip-hop and whatever. And it's like, I don't just listen to everything that's out there. I have a hard time finding new stuff to listen to. When I find something new, it makes me happy because it's, it's hard for me to. And I, I don't have the time and energy to devote into it. The same thing if I go back to listening to, to punk. The punk that was the stuff I listened to is super easy for me to put on and listen to. Stuff that is, you know, closer in line with that stuff is stuff that I can listen to, even though it's not just that, like, oh, I used to listen to this thing. Stuff that is, like, you know, way tangential to what I used to listen to, even if it's still punk, is harder for me to put on, because I'll put on and be like, no, nah, I'm not enjoying this right now. But, like, if I mm -hmm. grow out, then I can grow to that, to where I'm listening to some, like, really hardcore stuff that before would just be like, no, it's just noise to me, you know? Hmm. Okay. I've found there's certain things that just... I like certain things and it can be random like of, of the stuff that you pointed out to me, hip hop wise oh, a while back, like just half of it. I just didn't like, and, and you know, I couldn't quite put my finger on. It's just like, it can be as simple as I just don't like this guy's voice. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like how he raps, you know, other people I, I did like it, it really is, is really random for me what I do like and what I, what I don't like. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that let's wrap up there, huh? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to 99th episode. You can find all the past episodes on wherever you found this. So like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or, or whatever. Uh, tell a friend or don't, you know, we're just kind of doing this. So 
enjoy it as you see fit. Well, if we tell them to tell a friend, all they're going to do is tell us because the only people who listen are our friends. So, you know. well, yeah, there's also that. <laughs> hey, have you heard about this show that you do? <laughs> he was like, well, actually, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If uh, one of our friends hears this and tweets me that, it would actually probably really make me laugh. Yes, it would. It would. You, you can find uh, me on Twitter at Bad Deacon and my friend Paul on Twitter at Who's Paul. And drop by and say hi and recommend our podcast to us. <laughs> I think that's it for today. We'll talk to you later.